Welcome back. Ferret's gone, you know. Episode three, finally back at it again. Weekly episode here. Great week of baseball again. Um, very exciting, including a, I don't know, I kind of want to get this off the tart, a, a pitcher sack fly to another pitcher in left field from a position player pitching. Um, yeah, that was probably the weirdest thing. That was not on my bingo card. Was David Price sack fly to Joe Musgrove with Jake Cronenworth on the mound. Was not, did not check, check any marks off my bingo card with that one, but. That's that's a kind of week of baseball it was. Um, say first thoughts on this week before we kind of get rolling. Uh, I mean, we saw no hitter this week, like you said. We saw a, a couple position players on the mound, Jake Cronenworth, who actually I think was a pitcher for a little bit in the minor leagues. You see him throwing eighty nine mile an hour sinkers up there. Yeah, I mean, hey, when pretty you got good it, you got it right. Yeah, no, that like like you said. Uh, a pitcher sack fly to a pitcher, not uh, not something we expected to see this week. But hey, that's what we love about, about baseball. That's right. He's getting uh, new things. Like uh, it, so that, that's not the first time we've seen a pitcher in the outfield. But I feel like every time we get a pitcher in the outfield, it's some we get something interesting out of it. Whether uh, Velasquez was that last year with that cannon of a throw from left field? Yeah, I was about to say Vince Velasquez was out there last year. Um that I think we heard about from Gabe Simmons a minimum of 87 times within the next two weeks about it. <laughs> um, I swear, I think it was I think it was two or two or three times a day there for a little bit. Um, but let's roll into let's roll into the week two starting lineup here, and let's start behind the plate because this was a guy that was actually on our ice cold list and came out and had a big time week. Um, Wilson Contreras this week batted 429, had an 1815 OPS. With uh, with four ding dongs, um, little controversy with him and the Brewers there. I thought it was it was played out. If you didn't see my extensive Twitter thread at one a.m. about it, um, little outplayed, but that regardless, Contreras had a great week behind the plate for them. Um, first base, Joey Votto, th- 1437 OPS, three doubles, three home runs. Second base, Jazz Chisholm, four fifty four fourteen ten OPS, four extra base hits. Uh, Justin Turner staying at the hot corner this week with another insane week, 529 with a 1697 OPS and three ding-dongs. Um, at shortstop running at the infield here, Gene Segura hit 550 this week, uh, including 11 hits, so it put him at a 1421 OPS. In the outfield, Ronald Acuna hit 417 with a 1450 OPS with three home runs. Mitch Handiger hit 417 with 10 hits. Adam Duvall um, had a 1123 OPS with six extra base hits and 10 ribbies on the week. Otani continuing his success, 412, 1150 OPS, three extra base hits. And on the bump, Tyler Glasnow, 2-0, 12, point, 12 and two-thirds innings, had a .71 ERA, but in those 12 and two-thirds innings, struck out 21 guys while only walking three. Um, You know, I, I kind of thought this week some guys might slow down and we wouldn't get this big of weeks out of guys, but a lot of guys actually stepped up their games. That's what I'm seeing. Segura went big. Um, Ronald Cooney Jr. reminding us of how good of a player he is. We'll touch on him later. Uh, Mitch Handiger having a great week. Adam Duvall had a few big brave, big games against the Braves, a team that decided not to re-sign him for whatever reason. Um, Contreras bouncing back. Votto showing. Votto and Turner both showing they got a little bit in the tank. And then Jazz Chisholm really showing that he's he's ready to stay in the Major League Baseball here and kind of make a make a face of the franchise move for the Marlins. Yeah, a lot of connections to uh, previous content week in our week one or week two starting lineup uh Wilson Contreras I mean we touched on as streaky as they come behind the plate and as bad as the Cubs were offensively he really needed to pick it up I think he hit two bombs yesterday um he's really starting to turn the corner Rizzo has two home runs today as we're in the middle of recording on Sunday night the 18th um looks like he's starting to pick it up maybe they'll turn the offense around who knows but they they've been putrid hitting under 200 this year as a team um, that's pretty bad. And then we've got uh, some of the veterans that we talked about that just seem to be having career resurgences or uh, n- not going down without a fight. Joey Votto, Justin Turner, as Chisholm. Did you see that homer he hit off of Jacob DeGrom? I did. I did. 99 up in the zone and just pimped it. Look, 0-2, that was the first uh, homer DeGrom has ever given up on an 0-2 pitch, I believe. Jeez, that's ridiculous Chisholm on DeGrom's side of 
we talked a little bit about Gene Segura and how we were not expecting much from him at all this year when we touched on the Phillies in our season preview, and he's proven us wrong. Cunha continuing to rake. We talked about how good of a signing Adam Duvall was for the Marlins, and he's proven that early on. I think we touched on Tyler Glass now, how we kind of liked him to break out if he could get the control issues down and not run his pitch count up too much, and he seems to have done that this week. All around, I think – I think we had some predictions come true. I think we had some predictions that aren't look aren't looking too hot, like Gene Segura and Mitch Haniger too. Nice to see him playing well. The Mariners need a bright spot. You know, he's dealt with injuries a lot over the last couple of years, um, so for him to be playing well, and I think we had Kyle Seager on the list last week. The yeah, Mariners not so far. Yeah, no, it's, I I feel really good about putting Mitch Haniger in this spot. Mm-hmm. Mitch Haniger's a guy who's dealt with injuries a lot over the past few years after being touted as you know supposed to be the face of the Mariners throughout this kind of rebuild, and he's he's got the short end of the stick. So it's it's good to see him back on the field and really bouncing back in a good way. Um, going to offense of the week, I I'm giving it to the Miami Marlins. They're first in runs scored this past week, 42 runs scored. They hit 266, which was fourth in the league, and had the third highest OPS at 785. They absolutely crushed the ball against the Braves um, for three games, regardless of who was on the mound. Adam Duvall just showed out. Starling Marte's a good piece. Jazz Chisholm looks like he's coming along really well. Miami Marlins are looking exactly like they looked last year, which is a very dangerous team. Um, a very, very, very dangerous team. I don't think anyone right now should be sleeping on the Marlins in the slightest bit. That offense can be electric. And behind guys like Alicantra and um, just the rotation. And really, the Yimmy Garcia right now, I believe, is closing games for me. And his stuff is disgusting. His stuff for the Marlins is absolutely lights out. Um, it's legit kind of closer material. The Marlins are a team that, again, we mentioned before the season start that could take two out of three from the top teams of that division, and people shouldn't be shocked about it. Yeah, no. I, I mean, you're going to right where they left off last year, and they haven't even gotten a ton of contributions from guys like Corey Dickerson and Jorge Alfaro this week. I mean, it's been guy, guys coming kind of out, on, out of the folds, like guys Chisholm, and then Adam Duvall again. I mean, we've got two Marlins in our lineup of the week this week. Been great offensively. Pitching's still not quite there. A little bit young on the pitching side, but they're, they're my favorite young gun teams to watch. Absolutely. Um, and on the flip side of that, as we go to staff of the week, the most established team in Major League Baseball takes the cake here. The Los Angeles Dodgers, lowest DRA in baseball this past week, the 209, went 5-1. and one. Had a 10th uh, in whip at a 1.09, 6th in K, 66, and it's 7th in batting average against 205. A lot of teams could have gone here. I just went with the Dodgers for the fact that they had the lowest ERA this week at the best run prevention. Um, got a got really good start out of Bauer, um, obviously. And this is against the Padres. This is against good offenses. It's not like they went up against the two of the two of the bottom offenses in the league here and still put up those kind of numbers. So the Dodgers take the cake. I'm sure this is not the first time we'll give them this award, and I'm sure this is not the last time. No, uh, I mean, not only do they have the top-end talent in the rotation with guys like Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, they are ridiculously deep in their pitching staff. I mean, Hanson, Trinan, Corey Kniebel now has come out of nowhere and is pitching great for them out of the bullpen. Um, then you've got guys, three guys in the bullpen in uh, Gonsolin, who I guess is hurt right now, David Price and Victor Gonzalez who could probably start on uh, being the rotation for a majority of teams in the league, if not the top of the rotation. And it just, you see the top end talent there with the ERA. You see the depth every time they go out there. Other than the Padres great week last week. I mean, I expect them to be in competition for staff of the week, just about every week this year. They, They are so deep have such top-end talent in their rotation, it, it just continues to baffle me how they amass such a wealth of pitching talent. Yep. Hit, hit it right on the head there. Um, let's go into hitter spotlight of the week. Face of baseball edition is what I labeled this. Uh, the first guy I want to touch on um, is Ronald Acuna Jr. Again, 419, uh, 1366, um, OPS, six doubles, seven home runs. And the, and the thing I want to point out with him, and I guess the next guy we're talking about right now is – is he's walked eight times and only struck out ten, and a lot of what Ronald's issues over the last couple of years is when he gets into streaky stretches of striking out too much, whiff percentage being up, all this fun stuff, um, and he's not doing that this year. Right now, 
I just want to leave, read you some of these uh, peripherals and some of these saber metrics here. He's in the 98th percentile for average exit velocity, 99th for max exit velocity, 94th for hard hit percentage, 99th in ex- expected slugging, 100th in expected batting average, uh, 99th in expected weighted on base plus average, 94th in barrel percentage, 90th in K percentage, 70th in walk percentage, 89th in whip percentage, 94th in chase rate, 97th in sprint speed. It actually doesn't get more elite than that. Um, Ronald's a guy who has every tool in the book, and it looks like this year he's gotten a little bit more plate discipline. He's starting to see the ball a little better. He's chasing a lot less. The walks aren't up, but the Ks are down again this year. And we're looking at a, at the current war leader of Major League Baseball and a guy who right now seems to be playing the best out of anyone in the entire league. Oh, my gosh. He is just... Not only is he just destroying it, doing unspeakable things to baseballs, he's so much fun to watch. I, I mean, like you can't just watching Sunday night baseball with them and the Cubs can't watch a Braves game without wondering what the heck Acuna is going to do next. And uh, I think they flashed a graphic up on the, the broadcast. He is hitting 750 against breaking balls this year. Seven. Mm. 750- I think his chase rate uh, down from over 20%. Right now on sliders. On breaking balls. Right now on sliders, as of right now, Ronald Cooney Jr. is hitting 714. That is almost unthinkable. I mean, uh, so I I forget his almost 40 40 season in 2019. He was only 21. Yes. He is not even close to in his prime yet. And, and we're seeing as he in his fourth season now, he's starting to develop that plate discipline. And man, if he can, if he can start to have the plate discipline of somebody like Trout, he will be scary. He's a, he is aggressive at the plate. But right now he's aggressive at the right pitches. And you see what ha- what's happening when a guy's on. And holy crap. Yeah, absolutely. Like These are a couple of the other things I want to talk out. I understand it's early in the season. Right now, Ronald Cunha's whiff percentage is down 12.6% from last year. 12.6% from last year. His out-of-the-zone swing percentage is down 3.9%. His strikeout rate is down 16.7%. Every other metric is up, except walk percentage, but again, early in the season. Every other metric is up right now for Ronald Cooney Jr. And we're kind of seeing it. And I think the what happened was Ronald Cooney Jr. could be Juan Soto if he had better plate discipline. I don't, I don't want to make this a Cooney Soto thing at all. I hate it from both Braves fans and Nationals fans. It's one of my least favorite things in all of the Twitter verses when they do it. Because I think both guys are crazy. Or And Ronald Cooney Jr. with Juan Soto's plate discipline is the best player in baseball and is not particularly close and I'm even talking with Mike Trout in here, once you add kind of a Cooney speed factor. Um, and right now we're, we're seeing it. It's it's just been really fun to watch. Um, and he's literally the Braves' only offense. So that's really why I'm, I'm hyping myself up here. Wow. And, and this is pretty interesting. Uh, just looking at his stats on baseball reference, and this popped up. Cunha is the only player in MLB history with at least 50 homers and 50 stolen bases in his first two seasons. Hmm. Mm. He's still 37 bags with 47 home runs in his second season in the majors as a 21 year old. That's what I think we forget. He's only 23. He had four 40 40 seasons in MLB history, and he almost had one as a 21 year old second year player. The dude's got a bright future. He's wow. Got all the talent in the world. Every Freak single athlete. bit of it. Just neat ability to hit the ball. Oh, man. Baseball's in good hands with guys like him and Soto and Tatis, for sure. It's it's insane, and this is where I want to keep the insane trend going right now because Vlad Jr. is doing the same thing. Vlad Jr. right now is hitting 389 with a 1774 OPS, seven extra base hits, and the same thing's happening. He has 11 walks to 11 Ks this year. Like, I could pull up Vlad. It's the same thing as Ronald. You whiff less. You strike out less. You walk a tad bit more. You get better pitches to hit. You put the ball on the you put the bat on the ball a little more often, and good things happen. And Vlad Jr. right now, the the home run power has not come along. But who cares when you're hitting three eighty nine? 
Like, no one cares at that point when you're still getting seven extra base hits. Hit some doubles in the gaps, and the home run power will come along. I think Vlad Jr. got caught up with himself in thinking, hey, I need to be a 40 home run guy by the age of 19. And now he's taking that step back and thinking, hey, doubles in the gap here. Hey, single backside, whatever it may be. And the home runs will come eventually as my approach gets better. And right now, Vlad Jr. is just mashing baseballs. Yep. No, I, I think getting in shape has done him well. He really looks to be. And again, he's a guy, he's only 22. He debuted when he was 20. I think we see these guys come up and they're insanely talented. Guys like I, I, not everybody can come up and be a Juan Soto where they're 19 and they already have the plate approach of a prime Ted Williams. It, I think it's just unreasonable to expect that. It's not like Vlad's been bad. I mean, his rookie year, 123 games, 106 OPS plus, so above average. Last year, shortened season, but he played all 60 games and 116 OPS plus. So he's been a, an above league average hitter his first two seasons as a 20 and a 21 year old playing against seasoned veterans. And it almost feels like going into the season, he had been disappointing, which is crazy to think given that he's been above league average as a 20 and a 21 year old. But again, kind of like Acuna, he seems to have a much better approach this year. He doesn't seem to be pressing. He's not chasing as much, striking out less, walking a little bit more for a little more power, squaring the ball up more. It's done wonders for him. I don't know if it's a, better approach or being in a little bit better shape that he can really turn on balls or a little bit of both, but whatever he did, it's really working for him. Well, I can tell you this is another guy. Great, great to see young guys playing so well, man. Looking at these peripherals here. um, The biggest thing that points out is that launch, his launch angle was up 7.2% this year. So last year he had a 4.6 degree launch, which is extremely low for today's of baseball, like extremely low, especially for a guy who's supposed to be hitting home runs. His exit velocity is up. Um, two miles per hour. His walk percentage is up 7.7%. Um, so, exit velocity up. You're getting more balls in the air. Balls land more when they're in the air, when they're hit at 94 miles per hour on average. They go a little bit more places than gloves. Um, so, again, a guy who's just finding his approach and starting to figure out what works for him and what will continue to work for him. So, great, great for Vlad. Um, and then last but not least, again, sticking on that same track, a guy we touched on earlier, Jazz Chisholm Jr., a guy who I read a report that when he met with Derek Jeter for the first time, the first question he had for him is, I want to be a Hall of Famer. How do I do it? I mean, I, I don't I think as a shortstop, there's not a better question to ask Derek Jeter. Um, you know, what a, one of the best shortstops the game has ever seen. Um, the dude looks legit. Have you seen him? He's he's dripped out, walking into the locker room, a little NBA action, which is everything I want to see in Major League Baseball. He's fun to watch. He's just as exciting of a, of a type of player that a Vlad Jr., Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, he plays with that same kind of confidence that those other guys play with. And he's showing out already, again, 325 on the season, 1126 OPS. He has seven extra base hits and is a huge bright spot here for Miami Marlins team. That looks like they can do damage all all around the league. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't want to pat us on the back too much, but I think we were both a little bit uh, high on him coming into the season. He was a guy we looked towards to break out. He's playing well, small sample for him, but, I mean, we got to remember again, he's only got 110 plate appearances at the major league level, and that's including this season. So he may struggle a bit, but another guy that, it hasn't taken him super long to figure it out. He's he's the same age as Acuna right now with a lot less plate appearances under his belt, but he's playing well. And any anytime you have a shortstop as talented as that, that you can look towards the future to build around, especially a Marlins team that's kind of young and upcoming in, if he can continue to develop, he could be a huge piece for them going forward. Yeah, I think the thing I love about Jazz right now, again, I'm a baseball savant and just, just lord, and I love this site. Um, as a 23-year-old with a total of 113 play appearances in the major leagues, this season he has the is in the 95th percentile for walk percentage. That's something you don't see out of a lot of guys his age. Um, his chase rate's in the 84th percentile, which is plus plus. His K percentage is in the 40th, but it's okay because he's still walking that much. He's not he's not swinging the balls out of the zone. Um, hard hit percentage is 87th. Uh, expected slugging 96th. Barrel percentage is in the 100th percentile. For the league, um, so when he swings, he's making contact. He's hitting the ball hard. So hey, a bright spot for them. A guy that should be on everyone's radar for the next few years. 
Well, and that you bring up a good point. Not only is he that high in uh, percentile for walk rate and chase rate, that's not just looking at guys who are 23 with 110 plate appearances in the majors. That's looking at the entirety of baseball. That's looking at seasoned vets who have had years to refine their plate approach and years of experience, and he's still that high. I mean, he's he's got the approach nailed down right now, and he's getting results. Yep, bingo. Um, let's go to wrap it up here for uh, for the face of baseball edition, Hitler Spotlight. Uh, let's go over to the pinch hitter that is needed. And three guys we actually, I'm pretty sure, extensively talked about here um, when we kind of came out with our first three. Three guys we touched on. I'm going to start with mine because this is a bad take from me. Hashtag old takes exposed. Tommy Pham here, a guy that I thought was going to bounce back big, a guy who's kind of been consistent throughout his career as a professional kind of hitter. You know, he's always going to have good ABs. He's going to be a guy that you can expect to hit 275 and turn out at least an 850 OPS. Not an MVP guy, but just, you know, a really good all-around player. And so far this season, he has scuffled. He's hitting 140. He only has one extra, and he only has one extra base hit as an OPS of 450. Um, the Padres haven't really missed his production because last year he was the same type of player. He had a really bad season and the Padres still went on to be the team that they are. Um, so he was just going to be a boost in whatever department that I guess Will Myers and Eric Hosmer couldn't, couldn't happen again this year. Um, but so far that one's not working out for me as a hot take, um, because those two guys have really played well and Tommy Pham still is, is just scuffling at the plate. Hey, you and me both. I was big on fam as well. Um, I expected him to kind of, I mean, only played about half the season last year. Didn't play extraordinarily well. I really was expecting him to kind of pick up uh, where, like you mentioned, like guys like Hosmer, Will Myers dropped off. I mean, we talked a lot about Padres regressing and it's really been fam regressing. Uh, I mean, even a guy like Jake Cronenworth, who we expected to not really be all that good this season, kind of a flash in the pan last year. He's picked up right where he left off. He's played great. And then you have a guy like Pham who it's like, whether it's father time getting to him, I know he had uh, medical issues over the off season where I think he had, he'd gotten stabbed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if there's anything lingering from that, but he, he is not looking good at the plate. He needs a hard reset. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, moving on down the list, another guy we talked about, Elvis Andrews hitting 127 this year, uh, 12 Ks. He's struggling at the plate as well. A guy I don't think we expected much from here. I was more upset that Texas traded him um, because I felt like he was a career guy in Texas. I was more upset that I didn't think Oakland was going to get you know much production from Elvis, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Um, Elvis really hasn't hasn't done anything he's scuffling really really bad to where i think he needs he might need to take a step back here take a couple games off really figure out what's going on a guy not with a lot of power in today's game which is hard it's just it's just not how players hit today um but i felt like you could always at least count on him for you know good defense and at least like a 250 average and he hasn't shown it again a lot of time left in the season i'm not giving up on elvis yet but at his age and kind of how his game plays it's the, the red flags are going off yeah, I mean, I was disappointed that Texas traded him. I liked the trade from Oakland's perspective at the time. I, I don't think they gave up much. I felt like they got a pretty consistent shortstop who was going to not be able to replace Simeon because I don't think Andrews has that ceiling at this point in his career, but give them some level of veteran production where they know they can trot their shortstop out every day. and that He's going to produce more often than not, and they just have not seen it from him this year so far, and – that's that's an underrated, I think, uh, that'll hurt Oakland is they can't really afford to, given their payroll and their player situation, they can't afford to have guys like Andrews uh, scuffling like that because they don't have the means to go out and get whoever they need to fill that gap. Yep, bingo. Um, and then your boy here coming in at number three, Jonathan Scope has just Jeez. been absolutely terrible. Um, hitting 163, zero extra base hits and 18 Ks to start the season off. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I I, th- I still think Jonathan Scope's a good player, and his game translates into kind of today's launch angle, exit velocity, three outcome baseball that, that has been adopted by so many hitting philosophers and whatever. I thought his game translated very well. I thought he was going to do well this season. I don't have any words, um, frankly. 
Yeah, uh, I, I'm very surprised by his lack of production. It, not what the Tigers were hoping to see because I flip a guy at the deadline with that kind of slash line. Um, maybe, maybe we were proved wrong, and and there was a reason all he could get was one year and four million from Detroit. Maybe everybody else saw it coming, but um, these, these three guys struggling this much really surprised me because I think. Uh, I think I can speak for both of us in saying that all three of these guys going into the season were three guys we could have looked at to provide some stability within their lineups, kind of veterans. I think they're all on the other side of 30. Um, well, not scope yet, but close. Guys who have played a few seasons in the big leagues, who have produced in the past at a pretty high level. Guys who I think we know that they're kind of out of their primes now, but guys we look to that, hey, they don't have the highest ceiling. They're not going to go out and hit 40 bombs this year, hit 300, do 20 stolen bags, whatever. But they're going to produce at a decent level. They're going to be consistent, and they're going to be good, approachable veterans. And I'm pretty surprised to see all three of them struggling this badly. You know, at least I'll give it to Elvis. Elvis is a older player who's been in the league for a long time. Jonathan Scope's 29. Yeah. So you can't even chalk it up to age there. Elvis has an out here. He has a card. Like, I, I don't like putting it like that, but hey, Elvis, you know. When we talked about Elvis retiring two, three years ago with Beltre, so. Jonathan Scope's 29 uh, years old. He's older than Andrews is? Who? Tony Sam. He's older than Andrews. All right, so they'll both, they'll, they'll, I'll give them both it. But Jonathan Scope. But Pham debuted when he was 26. Ah, that would explain it. Basically. But still, Jonathan Scope's on the on the under thirty. Like, he doesn't get that card yet. Got to hit like thirty two to get that card. Um, but yeah, let's 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 move to the bump here. Uh, just the nasty guys from this week. I'd be good to start with Carlos Rodon, a no hitter. Um, very interesting career arc. I didn't realize Carlos Rodon was the third overall pick. Got hurt. Ex- uh, velocity was all the way down in like the low nineties, all the way down to like ninety eighty nine. Um, and then bounced all the way back to being able to throw a no-hitter for the Chicago White Sox. Again, a really good, nice baseball story um, here with uh, with Carlos Rodon. But again, no-hitter, only hit the guy in the last inning of the game. Um, tip my cap to run done. No, awesome to see. Um, we've got a second no-hitter already this year. It's been pretty, pretty cool. Um, like you said, great story from Rodon. Um he dealt with a lot of injuries. And I feel like that's kind of a theme with White Sox pitchers. They right now, I mean, you look at look at some of their staff, Michael Kopech's another guy who's dealt with a ton of injuries. They're a bunch of it's almost like Island of Misfit Toys there. I mean, you've got Alex Keuchel, who was him and Craig Kimbrell like started the season basically without having a free agent deal. And a guy like Lance Lynn who's really bounced around and kind of been cast away more or less from every team he's been on. I mean, St. Louis dumped him to New York and then New York let him go. And then he signed in Texas and Texas dumped him. And now he's in Chicago. Then you've got, uh, Copic, just, uh, and Hendricks too. Another guy that interesting career arc, not always a heralded guy. And finally the last couple seasons has gotten a chance to be the star in Oakland, and then they let him walk, and he goes to Chicago. So there are a ton of guys who kind of have been doubted during their career, but really good to see Radon pitching well. Yep. He's a guy, I feel like every year we expect him to break out, like, okay, this is going to be the year, kind of like John Gray. This is going to be the year he puts it together. He's got the stuff, finally healthy. He's going to put it together, and it just hadn't happened. Yep, 100%. Has not Um. Let's fly over to Jacob Degrom here because we gotta talk. We gotta talk to Degrom, right? This dude is unbelievable. Um, he's one and one this season. Jacob Degrom should go thirty and zero in a season. I'm not kidding you, Jacob. There's no reason Jacob Degrom should not go thirty and zero, other than maybe a reliever blows the game. Jacob Degrom this season's one and one. With a .45 ERA in 20 innings pitch with 35 Ks and 3 walks. Look, look. He's better than prime Clayton Kershaw. Like, I, you can argue me this or not. Like, Jacob DeGrom so far has been the best pitcher in the 2000s. 
if Jacob, uh, he's unbelievable, Jacob DeGrom is. This is his fourth or fifth consecutive year that he's going to be hands down the best pitcher in Major League Baseball, and there's no questions about it. And he's stuck with the Mets. No, it, it's it's pretty sad. He, like the reverse of Trout, basically. I mean, the Angels can't get out of their own way with Trout, and the Mets can't get out of their own way with DeGrom. Um, I think I touched on last pod, that graphic of him. Uh, despite having the best record, best ERA in baseball since 2018 by a decent margin, Mets are under 500. DeGrom starts. Not that DeGrom's record is under 500, but the Mets as a team are under 500 in DeGrom starts since 2018. That is excusable. I mean, if you have the best baseball win for you and you can't go 500, that's beyond pitiful. I don't think there are words to describe just how awful that is. The fact that he's got to deal with that, I mean, I'll tell you what, though. Glad we've gotten past the point where pitcher wins matter for a Cy Young because if that doesn't tell you that it doesn't matter, then I don't know what will. Absolutely. Um, let's cap it off here. Tyler Glasnow, a guy that gets a lot of talk on social media, and was uh, I wouldn't say I kingdom, but I definitely said I thought he was more of a pitching ninja warrior than he was anything yet, just because of his overall numbers. I had some backing to that. I'm not going to say I was wrong in that. I had I had some backing backing in that statement, but uh. This week or this season, two and 0, 0.73 ERA, twenty four and uh, two thirds innings pitched, nine hits, thirty six Ks. Yeah, that's that's disgusting. Striking out thirty six guys over twenty four innings. That's ridiculous. So, uh, tip my cap to Tyler Glass now who's been deemed sexiest man to take a pitching mound. You know he doesn't have any social media? Fun fact. Not, not a social media guy, which is weird Weird in today's world. I'll say that much. But, yeah, I mean, Glasnow's been nasty. He's been the ace that, that they needed with Blake Snell and, and Charlie Morton leaving for the race. No, uh, I tell you what, Derek Roberts is having a field day. Oh, my gosh. Between that and something we'll touch on later? Yeah. Oh, I don't even want to. I'm, I'm going to hop off. I'm going to take a hiatus. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm ready for this. Boy, I'm not either. Trust me. Good to see guys in the pitching well. He, he's really fun to watch. I mean, you look at – talk about some of the best stuff in the game. Glasnow's right up there. Yep, absolutely. Um, oh, boy, let's, let's go to the flip side of here right now. Rest day inbound pitcher discussions. We left off in Arizona last weekend with Mad Bum. Let's let's keep in Arizona here. Merrill Kelly has three games started on the year. Sixteen innings pitched, has an eight four four ERA, and is allowed twenty three hits. He is uh, he is getting just absolutely crushed. No, tough to see. Um, Arizona's having a rough time with starters, like you mentioned. With off with Mad Bum last week, uh, Kelly's a guy who's kind of come out of the wings. Didn't really expect much from him, but uh, pitched well, decent the last couple of seasons, shown some bright spots so far this year. I wonder maybe if there's anything mechanical going on or he's tipping pitches or something like that. But uh, he's one who he debuted at 30, which is really surprising. I mean, you don't see that from too many guys. He's hardly been in the league, but he's already 32. We'll see. Maybe he's kind of like a – Meblin or something that just has a couple good years and then falls off, but yeah, I think you're stretching it there. Only put so much stock in three starts. You're right about that. Uh, but there's plenty of time to turn it around. You're absolutely right about that. Um, let's fly over to St. Louis here. Carlos Martinez, three games started this year, 15 innings pitches, seven eight. 7.80 ERA is allowed 17 hits. Again, a theme I think we've seen with Carlos Martinez over the last few years. Um, he couldn't get it done in the closing role. Uh, last year, he can't really get it done in the starting role anymore. I'm not sure exactly what St. Louis is going to do with Carlos Martinez, but right now he is not pitching well. It's actually really concerning. Um, looking at him going forward, he, I mean, other than 
before 2019, he had been pretty incredible. Uh, 2015 to 2019, he an ERA between 3.01 and 3.64. And actually, his 3.64 in 2017 was the only time. Other than that, he had four seasons of an ERA under 3.2, which is pretty darn good. Um, solid ERA pluses every year. And then last year, 20 inning sample size, not good. You could chalk that one up to COVID, whatever, moving between the bullpen and the rotation, some injury issues. You can excuse it. But to come out this year and basically pick up where he left off last year and not in a good way, that that's pretty concerning. Um, that 2020 performance, you could easily just chalk it up to weird year and start fresh. But um, to see him get back off to the start this year, may not turn it around who knows but it's not a good sign going forward no it's not a good sign at all and i think he uh he's just he's losing velocity that's that's very apparent and for a guy who i think he's built his career on blowing guys doors off um it's kind of the beginning of the end for him frankly which i mean him and yachty can go kick it in Cabo as long as they don't have to see him play anymore i'm not exactly sad about this one i'm gonna be <laughs> honest with you uh, last but not least, Luis Castillo, three games started, 15 and a third, inning 704 ERA, 19 hits allowed. He's been pieced up a little for Cincinnati, who's the top of the Central right now. Um, for Cincinnati to do this without what is their supposed to be their ace, uh, supposed to be a guy who's in Cy Young running uh, from here on kind of going forward, he hasn't pitched well at all. Um, yeah, it's not like he's given up big nukes. It's not like he's walking guys. It's just been more he hasn't been able to miss bats as much as we kind of expected uh, Castillo to do this season. No, I mean, he's one of the hardest throwing starters in baseball, and this is one I, I think we both expected him to pitch well. He's one kind of like Merrill Kelly. I don't really see any specific, like, writing on the wall like I do with Carlos Martinez not pitching well last year and just not – Overall, not looking good. Um, I mean, Castillo in the vacuum still looks good. He hasn't lost velocity. Changeup's still great. He's just run into a hard luck again. Maybe he's tipping pitches a little bit, not quite getting bite on pitches, maybe a little bit of mechanical issues. But there's nothing specifically to indicate to me that it's anything other than just to can hopefully because he he's fun to watch with the movement on his changeup and how hard he throws. I, I enjoy watching him pitch, but I, I think he'll turn it around pretty quickly. Yeah, for reference, his K percentage is down almost 50%. In 2020, he was at 30.5. Um, right now, he's sitting at 17.9. He's been, uh, 2019, really, his breakout season, he was at 29% as well. His K percentage is down. He's just not avoiding bats the way he needs to avoid bats right now. I'm not necessarily worried about it, but at the age of 28 here for Castillo, he's kind of in his prime, and this is the years that we really expected him to kind of get into that Cy Young, at least contention. Uh, but too bad he's in the NL, so I'm not going to say true contention. Jacob DeGrom kind of holds that one down. Um, Can we just hand it to DeGrom already? Yes. Yeah, that's fine. That's honestly fine. Um, let's let's, let's get, get our wrap up here, player discussions. We're going into standings here. Uh, it, the, the only way I could title this is, wait, where are they? Uh, because these divisions are kind of out of whack. Right now, the top of the AL East, we have... Boston Red Sox. At the bottom of the AL East, we have the New York Yankees. I'm going to let you give me why that's happening and what's going on. A bottom line, the Yankees look lost. Um, they they look awful hitting. They're in the bottom half of the league in every statistically st- significant hitting category. They're, it, it's really not the pitching, honestly. 3.64 team ERA, not bad. That's under league average. It really hasn't been the pitching. It's been the offense. The offense has been non-existent. Um, a, when you have that boomer bust approach and you have guys like Judge and Stanton and Sanchez and Torres, and Voigt's been out, so that definitely hurts a little bit. Clint Frazier, another guy, kind of boomer bust at the plate. They have a lot of guys who strike out a lot, and swing for the fences. And when they're connecting, they're the best offense in baseball behind the Dodgers and the Braves, maybe. But when they're in a slump, it's bad and it's hard to watch and they can't get through anything. That's probably right now. And I think kind of how we talk about hitting's contagious. 
bad hitting is contagious too. And we've kind of seen it with the Cubs. They've looked horrendous offensively. Um, but they have starting to pick it up the last couple games. Hopefully the Yankees can do that soon because long season, but you only want to spend so many days in the cellar and got to pick it all, pick it up offensively pronto if they want to back in contention. Yeah. And in, in, like you said, in Boston, Boston looks good. Boston's crushing baseball. Hitting the crap out of the ball right now. And their pitching has not been nearly the liability that we thought it was, at least so far. I think that second one's the big one. Um, obviously, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, and Alex Verdugo have done their due diligence at the plate, as we've expected them to do all season. Um, but then guys like Christian Arroyo and Bobby Dalbeck and uh, Christian Vasquez have been plus-plus when it comes to kind of your five through seven hitters. And then, I mean, the you know, pitching staff doesn't look good, but Matt Barnes and Philip Valdez are getting it done. Those two guys are really getting it done this year on a legit level. And then you're backed up with guys like Nathan Evaldi, who've been solid, Whitlock, who's been solid. <laughs> they're getting it done on the mound, and they're crushing the baseball, which is, I think, what we expected the Yankees to do this season. And the Yankees' offenses fell flat. Um, and Boston's been playing like the Yankees should be playing, which is score 10 and keep them under 5. No, it's... I've been pretty. Yankees, but Boston is really broken out. Would you believe me if I said, despite how bad the Yankees have been, behind only the Mets who have thrown 46 less innings than them, they have the highest K per nine in baseball on the mound? Yeah, I believe it. Honestly. Getting it done pitching wise. It's all the offense, which is not what I not what I thought because you all know as well as Justin does, I spent all offseason harping about how the Yankees needed to add pitching. have nobody behind Cole. We need consistency. Tyon and Kluber aren't the pickups. We need to bring back Tanaka. Pitching's going to be the issue. We need more depth. The pitching's been fine. It's been the offense. I, I think we need to find the approach. Um, I hate to say it. I, I think Aaron Boone's starting to walk on thin ice here. I, they just don't look good. They don't look like they're not that they're not playing to win, but it just looks off. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a little bit of a question to me as to how much of a leash Boone gives these guys. I, I think very much uh, he's a believer in his guys, but I think almost too much to an extent. I, I think he gives them a little bit too much free reign to kind of figure it out instead of really digging it, okay, like, this is not okay. The New York Yankees, we have one of the best teams in baseball on paper. I think both of us had them in the World Series. A consensus top five team, maybe even consensus top three team going into the season on paper, and they are dead last in the AL right now. Behind the Royals, the Orioles, the Tigers, the Mariners, the Rangers. I mean, not to sound like a spoiled fan, but that's just not acceptable. I don't think that would be acceptable for any team. I mean, that would be like if Atlanta was dead last in the NL right now. That would not be acceptable at any uh, point in the season. Uh, Too much talent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Now, well, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, yeah, about that. Uh, but keeping in the NL here, <laughs> two teams, Kansas City and Seattle, are currently atop of their respective divisions. Kansas City's 9 and 5, Seattle's 10 and 6. Um,. What? I I don't think anyone expected. If you what? said sixteen or three division leaders in the AL would be Austin, Seattle, and Kansas City, and the Yankees would not only be in last place in the AL East, they would be dead last in the AL period. We'd laugh you off like a madman. The Seattle Mariners have a negative run differential. Insane, actually. They've they've scored three less runs than they've given up in their first place. Um, is again, that I, I, what? This indeed indeed is pretty great. Yes, and, 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 and the Royals have only scored three more than they've allowed. Um, yeah, I mean, I ain't got much else to say other than some early season shebang, but you know, whatever, whatever. Um. Anyways, can I'll just roll into the goddamn Atlanta Braves. 
blow my brains out. If look, look, and it, it, what's happening this year is exactly what we worried about, right? We worried about the Braves pitching. The Braves offense has been fine. Um, if you look at some of their base, I had them pulled up, but I'm just going to save you the time. They're top ten in almost every single metric about hitting. Batted balls, exit velocity, expected average, expected slugging. They're top 10, if not top 5, in almost every single category. So the balls were going to find the holes eventually. And they have recently, as you could tell by Ronald Cooney's uptake. Freddie Freeman starting to move along. Azuna's starting to pick it up a little bit. Darno's starting to pick it up, right? The Braves' offense is fine. Good lord, the pitching. Mike Soroka's still out. So the Braves' ace, as much as anyone tries to try to say Max Fried's a Braves' ace, is almost laughable. Um, Mike Soroka, the Braves' ace, is still hurt. Uh, Freed is on the IL. Chris Martin's on the IL. We're still using Will Smith as a closer. Um, you know, some of the some of the top guys in the Braves' rotation are out right now, and the bullpen's a mess. There's no other way to put it. The bullpen is an absolute mess. Um, letting Melanson walk for like seven dollars, like seven whole dollars, and maybe a pack of bubble gum was stupid. I said it then. I say it now. I'm not expecting him to be some lights-out closer, but he was a consistent piece. Not re-signing Shane Green as he's still out there was stupid. Uh, the Will Smith experience is, like, go ahead, go to I-64. I don't know, like a nice 530. You know, everyone's getting off work. And just sprint straight across. I guarantee you make it at least like one lane. The next lane, God knows. Lane after that, God knows. That's the Will Smith experience. <laughs> that is the Will Smith experience. You put your credit card in a slot machine and just hit auto load and just, just spam click it. Because how many times you win. It will be it will be less than the amount of times you than the amount of times you lose. Will Smith sucks, man. Fat, overweight, can't throw a ball, crappy slider. Dude walks three guys every out and give me Luke Jackson back in the closer role. Like, good God, Will Smith sucks. Um Anyways, that's the Braves' issue. They can't pitch. The offense has been fine. They need to pitch. They need to learn how to win games. They're losing a lot of one-run games late in the games. A lot of eighth-inning runs given up. A lot of ninth-inning runs giving up. And that's just behind management not re-signing Mark Melanson or Shane Green. It's basically that simple. You can blame you can blame the front office. Uh, Freeman's picked it up. Acuna's MVP. So that that's the Atlanta Braves. Um and the New York Mets have played a lot less games, so I'm not banking on the Mets. The Mets' offense has been pretty bad, and I don't expect Marcus Stroman to continue on with his .9 ERA this season with only 11 strikeouts in 20 innings. Uh, I don't know why you hate Marcus Stroman so much, but... Same reason uh, I hate Damian Lillard. One thing that was interesting uh, that gives me a little bit of hope for the Yankees and the Braves, too, I mean, the Yankees, while they've looked terrible... Only sitting at a negative nine run differential, which is actually less than the Rays, who are eight and eight and in second place. Um, way less than the Tigers, who, despite a negative twenty-eight run differential, are six and ten. Um, the Braves as well, negative eleven run differential, which isn't great, but uh, better than the Pirates, who are sitting at seven and nine. Um, they, yeah, pitching's not been great for the Braves. Just like the Yankees' offense, I think, turn it around. Braves' pitching staff will turn it around at some point. They're not as bad. They've currently tied for the third-worst ERA in baseball. They're not the third-worst staff in baseball. Not even close. They'll turn it around. We unironically pitched Jesse Biddle in a game that we could have won the other day. Yeah, Jesse Biddle. Jesse Biddle. It's very bad. That's, that's no bueno. Um, other than that, standings are kind of the standings. We're early the season. I'm not going to harp on anything going on right now too much. Um, and that's probably because we're both Braves and Yankees fans. If I was a Boston fan, I'd be going absolutely psycho. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this ball, anymore. Ball, Boston to the World Series. Boston wins the pennant. Yeah, yeah, I'd be like that if I was a Boston fan right now. So so to be fair, that is a little biased. Carabas is on Twitter. That's all I see when I get Boy, his tweet Karabas. notifications have been a little insane. I should probably turn those off, I mean, but, you know, man crush. You, you kind of see a little bit where I'm coming from now. A it, like, little bit. Uh, it's funny, but it's also old. It's a little old. It's still pretty funny. It's still pretty funny. Yeah. It's it's not funny until you see the fanboys in his mentions. That's I was, where you I was just going to go. say, it's, I can't blame him for continuing to do it. 
because it's an obvious troll. And the only reason he does it is because people on Twitter are stupid enough to take the bait every single time. Every single like, time. I'm sure that I'm sure that the fans of all other 29 teams find it hilarious. Yes. Yes. I I just clearly as as any rational person would. I don't I don't find it that funny being a Yankees fan, but oh, it it gets old for me. But I see why he does it. People take the bait every time. Every single time. Um, wrapping us up here, the Shohei Otani update. Shohei's continue on what he did all season. He's batting 333 with a 1076 OPS, four ding dogs. He hasn't made another appearance on the mound. Um, I'm officially, I have gotten me a full cup of it, and I've taken at least a, a, a glurp, a nice glurp. You know what I'm saying? Not a, not a gulp, a glurp. So it's like between a slurp and a, and a gulp. I guess that'd just be a regular swallow, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Anyways. Dave from Atlanta, I think your offense is clicking. Yeah, it's a, if we bring Wilson. now has a two-run homer and a grand slam on the day. Yeah, he's just better. He just wakes up in the morning. Who? He's just better. Who is that? I don't know, but he's better than Glaber Torres is this season. Oh, that's not saying much. <laughs> that's fair. But actually, until, until today, he didn't have a hit. So That's pretty comparable then. Oh. <laughs> pretty comparable. <laughs> Not saying much. The Yankees' offense has been putrid. So that's fair. But back to show. Hey, he's absolutely uh, yeah, crushing. He, he now ball. has more homers and more RBIs today than Torres does on the season. He's more RBIs than Torres has on the season. Torres has one RBI. Stop. Gleyber Torres does not have one RBI. Stop. Don't tell me that. I'm pretty. I wish I was joking. Doesn't isn't Jacob Degrom four for six this season? Shut up. No, I'm All not right. kidding you. Shohei update. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Does Jacob DeGrom have more RBIs than Glaber Torres? He might. He might. I think that's more a testament to DeGrom than it is. No, it's not. A knock on Torres. DeGrom can do it all. DeGrom is four for seven with one RBI and only one strikeout. That has to be as good as Glaber. You got to take it up, dude. You are letting hitters or pitchers out of the doing? Clint Frazier does not have RBI. So. Clint Frazier does. Zach Wheeler had more no. RBIs in one game against the Braves. <laughs> Just want to remind you of that. In one game. Here you go. Jonathan Lucroy has more RBIs. We're done. We're done with this. Jonathan Lucroy. The Yankees suck. I get it. Hitting's contagious. Bad hitting's contagious. And we have the freaking COVID of bad hitting right now. It happens. Be all right. Jeez. Odor has more RBIs. Shohei. Odor has more RBIs for the same team. Shohei, he batted 333 with the 1076 OPS. Four home runs. He hasn't started another game. Again, I got a glurp. It's between a slurp and a, and a gulp. A regular swallow. I understand that. But uh, it's a glurp for today. I got a little taste. It's a nice little fruit punch, you know. Los Angeles Angels colors because he's hitting the crap out of the baseball. Again, I'll wait to see him on the mound. But this year, he's been hitting the crap out of the baseball. All right. Hot take, maybe. Maybe not. I think we've talked about this a little bit. I, I am all aboard. Clearly shown he can hit at the major league level. I think if he has one more even minor injury on the mound, that's not like I think the reason he's only thrown one game this year is he's had blister issues. I'm willing to ride with that because that won't make him sit as a hitter. I think if he has one more injury on the mound, even if he starts to feel tweaks in his arm, him off the mound, don't let him touch the mound again. And be an outfielder, DH. He's too good of a hitter for him to sit because he continues to hurt his arm trying That's what to pitch. I've been saying all offseason. He's too as good much, of a hitter. As much, as much, and um, I did think I was thinking about uh, you mentioned going closer and hitter. I, I guess uh, would they would play the outfield those days and then um, or DH? No, you can't go no, from no, DH. No, no, you just play the outfield. Just stick him in right field. He, he would just play the outfield. Good God, there's would, no way he's a worse defender than Justin. They would put him in defensive switch, put him in on the mound, and take the pitcher out and put Trevor in. I, I like that, actually. I wouldn't mind that. You could make it happen. 
No, I, I don't know how he would feel about playing the outfield and then going into pitch at the end of the game. But um, I also think we've got a little bit soft with stuff like that. I, I mean, we would do it all the time growing up. People do it all the time in college top of, now. Top of the outfield and come in and close the game out. But God forbid you try to do it in the majors. Um, unless you're I mean, Gabe, a different unless level. Gabe, then you don't want to do it. Big starter only I, guy. Um, I would worry. I would worry about uh, how would he warm up though. It would have to be carried out pretty far, advance. That's the only thing I worry about is him not having an adequate. Or time I mean, warm up. when I said that, I wasn't talking like a, a strictly like closer everyday role, like a hey, Raziel Iglesias is tired. Can you come get us three outs? Like, yeah, I, how's he gonna warm up? We're though? sticking you know Jake Cronenworth on the mound out there. Show hey can figure out in those eight pitches. You right. don't need 40 yeah, to I mean, warm up to throw guess, 11 pitches. I guess at this point, it's not hard to try. Like, Although, pop, pop an ibuprofen. Half of, warming up, half of warming up is getting off the bench. And if he's already exactly. in the game, Exactly. Half of warming up is waking Kimbrella up in the sixth inning saying, hey, we're at a save opportunity. You might want to stop napping. Like, good God. Um, now, it, now with Kimbrell, it's like, hey, we're down eight. It's finally time for you to hit the bump because you can't blow this one. Hey, buddy, the AAA bus just pulled up. You're going to Iowa. <laughs> That's how it really is. Um, let's finish it out here with three stars. Three stars of the week. Three guys that maybe haven't got the national spotlight that they deserve. This guy did. Jeff Passon put out a big uh, thread about him. I'm going to go ahead and give Sean Casimir a shout-out here. He went 0 for 1, his pinch hit opportunity. But a guy who, 36-year-old middle infielder for the Braves, has been in the Braves organization since 2011. Um, has been in Gwinnett every single year. You can go look at his transaction log and quote tweet me, maybe 2010 or 12. But anyways, a long time. Um, he made his debut with the Padres in 2008. Now, I realize that for most people, especially our age, 2008 seems like it was three years ago. 2008 was at decades ago. So that's where we're at. 2008 was a long time ago, and he has been in Gwinnett in, in AAA for all this time. For the sole reason that he wanted his kids to understand that he was a professional baseball player and they wanted to see him in a major league uniform. Sean Casimir got picked up, got called up for the Braves uh, based on the Ozzie Albies injury. So great story from Sean Casimir here. He's made a career out of playing AAA baseball and is finally back in a Braves uniform um, in the major leagues. I just think it's such a great story. You know, kind of about what Mercedes we were talking about the first week. There's a, This is a, just another similar story here from Major League Baseball. You don't see these kind of things in any other sport. No, awesome story. Uh, Jim Passon talked about it a lot. I think that was the most time in between MLB appearances since Minnie Minoso. Yes, and then Satchel Page. And then Satchel Page before him. And when Minoso appeared, he was 50 um, on the, his back end appearance. So pretty cool for Sean Kazmar. Um, tells you that it's never over. You can always get an opportunity if you stick around and are really. Uh, determined uh, we'll see might be short-lived but either way awesome story and uh for me for my first star i gotta go jed lowry lowry yeah he started out what uh one in seven and have now rattled off eight in a row he's been a big part of that uh week alone uh eight for 16 seven rbis about a guy like Andrus not playing well at all. And then on the flip side, you've got Jed Lowry, similar pickup, guy coming back to Oakland. Um, really played ball this week. Uh, he's been a big piece of their uh, eight-game win streak right now. Yeah, Lowry's played well. I saw that. Uh, I'm sticking middle infield here. I'm going to go Freddie Galvez from Baltimore in 381 with an 1197 OPS, five extra base hits. Uh, Galvez is a guy whose career has lived off of being the dirty work middle infielder for rebuilding teams and he's doing it again um good for freddie he's made a real good career out of it again he's not he's not definitely not going to be a name you're going to see about there very much unless you follow some baltimore beat reporters so good for freddie for really showing up this week oh uh for me uh you mentioned earlier my second star um mentioned earlier jacob Degrom, best pitcher in the nl clayton kershaw says not so fast um very well this year this past week alone 
12 innings pitched, no earned runs. Think he only has given up seven hits. He walks 14 Ks over that span. Uh, two different six uh, six innings of shutout baseball. He's pitched really well. Um, knock on wood that he stays healthy because uh, I, I know there was some doubt at one point in his career that he would continue to pitch at a high level. He's really evolved as a pitcher, I think. Um, talk about he's lost some velo. He's turned into a different – we talk about guys changing from throwers to pitchers, but he's changed from – different types of pitchers i mean he does not have the velo anymore he's still getting it done at an extremely elite level yeah except he was a big baby about pro far's catcher interference the other night he threw six innings of shut up oh i'm not and then got upset that his catcher extended his arm too far and thought that pro far was intentionally trying to hit a glove give me a he's a gamer a shut up give me a break (laughs) Give me a break. I'm going to stay on the bump here for my third star. Kyle Gibson didn't even know he was in the league this week. Had two had two stars this week. 15 innings pitched. Had a .6 ERA with 9 Ks. Um, great for Gibson. Honestly, just kind of like Galvez has just been a starting pitcher on rebuilding teams his entire career. That, hey, you know, this guy might have a little bit of stuff this year. And he usually doesn't. But, hey, he, here we are again. Kyle Gibson showing out a little bit. Had two good starts. Um, so good for Gibson. I thought he pitched really well this week. That's really good stuff, um, especially for two games started back-to-back. It's not just one start this week for him. He had two really good starts. Um, I'm going to stay on the bump here for my third star um, with another Cy Young contending pitcher in Shane Bieber. Um, is now the first pitcher in Major League history to begin the season with four straight starts of at least 10 Ks since the mound was moved back to its current distance. In 1893, nobody before had done that. Um, this week alone against the White Sox, big game shutout, three hits, one walk, 11 Ks. And then today against Cincinnati, eight innings, six hits, three earned, two walks, and 13 Ks. Has been spinning it at an elite level. What's really interesting to me about him is he's racking up these strikeout totals. He's not a flamethrower like we would expect from guys now. I, I mean, he only throws it 94, 96 in that range. Isn't slow, but isn't necessarily the speed that we see from a guy like DeGrom. He's a nice middle ground, I think, between somebody like DeGrom and Kershaw, where you got DeGrom, who was one of the fastest best balls in the majors for starters, and Kershaw, who's really only sitting like 92 now. You got somebody like Bieber, but to, to rack up those strikeout numbers not have the fastball velocity that some guys do, I think really is a testament to how deep his repertoire is and uh, his his off-speed pitches are just out of this world disgusting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bieber, Bieber is going to be a Cy Young candidate for, for years to come. Um, final thoughts here as we're wrapping it up. My only one is that Luke Jackson is not allowed an earned, earned run this year and that he should be the brace closer. Screw it. Try it again. Throw it back. Luke Jackson for the win. Uh, my my biggest takeaway, baseball is weird. I mean, we touched on the AL standings right now are basically inverse of what we kind of expected them to be, more or less. We've got the Mariners leading the AL West, the Royals leading the AL Central, and the Red Sox leading the AL East, with the Yankees in fifth in the AL East and dead last in the AL. Not what anyone expected, but hey, that's why we play. Long season, teams have time to turn it around, but some of these teams are going to have to really struggle or really put forth their best foot to continue that success. Like maybe the Mariners and the Royals weren't really expecting. Can they have a full 162 game run? Like we saw from the Marlins last year. And then a team like the Yankees, maybe even the Braves, they're going to have to pick it up quick because long season, but at some point you put yourself in too deep of a hole to really climb out of. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Uh, that's going to wrap us up here for ferrets gone season two, episode three. We will catch you guys back next week.